Welcome once again to the Love Mother Food and Retail Tower, by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. I am your announcer, Evan Lionheart of EvanLionheart.com in New Jersey. In just a moment, we'll be joined by our co-host, Doc Murphy of RootsDocMurphy.com in Minneapolis, Conjurman of Conjurman they will take your calls and offer advice to address, ameliorate, and remediate your questions and problems about love, money, career, and spiritual protection and traditional African-American folk magic practices of hoodoo, conjure, or root work as defined and prescribed by the greatest spiritual students of our time. You can learn a lot just by listening, but if you're selected from among those who signed up at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and called into the show, then you'll be on the air and receive a free consultation. We'll be going to the phones in just a moment. But first, let's catch up with our co-hosts, Doc Murphy and Conjure Man. Conjure Man? Thank you, thank you very much, uh, Evan, for that lovely introduction. Uh, for those of you uh, who are tuning in, uh, hopefully you can tell I am not Miss Cat. She is away with Nagashiva <laughs> on some fun errands. For those of you that are wondering why Miss Cat's voice suddenly has become so deep, no, no, it is I, Conjure Man. Uh, we are very fortunate to have the wonderful fan favorite Doc Murphy step into the illustrious shoes of Miss Cat as our guest co-host today. So that is going to be loads of fun. We wish Miss Cat lots and lots of fun, and she shall be back next week when we're back to our regularly scheduled programming. Welcome to each and every one of you. I see some uh, familiar faces in the chat room as people start to uh, trickle in. Jamais, Papa G, uh, uh, Dr. Sweet, Angela L. Welcome to each and every one of you. Uh, for those of you that are listening and going, what the F is Conjurman talking about? This show, if you're listening in the archives, is actually live every Sunday. Uh, and you can join us on Blog Talk Radio where there is an ongoing live chat. So you can comment along, do your own readings, ask questions, hang out in a sort of virtual community that we share every Sunday. So do check that out. Welcome to all of you. This is a very interesting and fun show that we've got planned for you. But before we bring on our guest co-host and our guest, just a little bit of update from my end. Uh, we're really trying to survive the heat wave that is ongoing. Anyone who is in the Pacific Northwest or on the West Coast, and when I say West Coast, it seems to be like from Colorado on, so not even the actual coastal region, but like even the Rocky Mountains and whatnot has just been hit by a massive, massive uh, heat wave. Everyone is a little bit on pins and needles, worried about potential brush fires. It seems to be that uh, fire season has started a little bit early. Uh, Colorado has had some fires pop up. So we're all kind of watching that with a, a bit of anxiousness. Uh, for those that still doubt climate change, and Ms. Cat hates the phrase climate change, she says, just call it global warming. And she's certainly right about that. For those of you that doubt uh, climate change, uh, just go and live on the West Coast for a little bit. The heat is, is quite unbearable at this point in time. We're talking about triple digits 
peak, 115, I think, was in Las Vegas, 117. These are record-breaking temperatures. When you start to have record-breaking temperatures year after year after year after year, eh, you know, something has got to give. So for those of us that work in hoodoo, it's important to remember that a lot of our tradition is grounded in natural-based magic, in, in green magic, if you will. Um, and so our connection to nature, our connection to the world around us, our connection to the spirits of the land is crucial to the work that we do. So bear that in mind. Pray for some wiser heads to prevail in our uh, political arena so that people start to take climate change seriously. So a little bit of a PSA there. We'll call it a Sunday sermon with Conjurman about the pressing needs <laughs> of, of climate change because it's, a, it's real, y'all, and, and feeling it. Uh, as a person who doesn't like heat, despite my Middle Eastern heritage, I'm an Arctic a person through and through. Give me cold, give me fall, give me sweaters and layers. I'm all about that shit. Don't give me this heat where uh, everyone feels a little bit lethargic. Um, in terms of spiritual news, my ongoing experience with love magic is very much real and kicking off. Uh, I've been doing lots of love uncrossing work, uh, helping a client. I actually just got off the phone about 45 minutes ago uh, with a client. We did a natal chart reading which was quite fun, uh, but combined it with a solar revolution. So what does the year ahead look for this particular individual? And there, she was uh, uh, in a stage where she's starting to, to kind of rethink her sexuality a little bit. She'd been having a little bit of a dry spell. Um, and so that was a very fun reading to do with some really interesting insights going forward. Um, uh, for those that are interested in reading, I do only have two slots open for the month of, of June, so bear that in mind, They kind of, or the month of July. Uh, they go by really, really fast, so if you're interested in natal reading, it's the only reading left, unfortunately. Geomancy, tarot, everything else is all booked. But that has been my experience for the summer. People are really interested in getting out there. Um, I joke that the pandemic is coming to an end, which means that there's really uh, – one option, either we continue to hide in our houses or everybody's going to go out there and get buck wild, roaring 20s because we've spent a year not touching one another, a year not communicating, not seeing anyone. So it's, it's bound to be interesting in the next few months as society starts to open up. So keep that in mind. Uh, see what's going to happen in regards to your clients or in your own lives. Maybe you're also going through an interesting uh, focus on love. Uh, Venus in particular has moved into Leo, so it's a, it's a very me-centered form of love that may be taking storm over the next few weeks. So let's turn to uh, Doc Murphy first. Welcome, welcome. So glad to have you join us, and it's an honor to have you still in for Miss Cat. What's been new in your neck of the woods? Oh, it's so nice to be back, too, and it's so nice to see everybody in the chat and to hear everybody. Hi, if you love sweaters and cold weather, you should come visit us in Minnesota out in Afghanistan sometime. You'll get all the sweater weather you need. Actually, the weather here has been lovely. We had our heat wave already a few weeks ago. Um, we've been hearing about what's been happening on the East Coast, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll hold on to yeah. the nice stuff for you guys and push it out your way. Um, with regard to how things are going on my end, it is it is a kind of stormy astrological weather for me, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, mm. It's my birthday tomorrow. Um, mm, happy birthday. However, I also, well, thank you, but I also found out this weekend that I just got laid off from my latest job. So, uh, oh, no. 
Yeah, this was one of these like, okay, um, uh, the stars are giving me a spanking for some reason, so I'm going to go back and look at that uh, um, year-long chart and, and kind of see how to strategize things next. So it's been a strange weekend. Um, oh, yeah. Like I said, I'm, I'll take any and all magical and astrological advice from folks in the chat that they want to throw at me. Um, well, Jupiter is um, retro. Jupiter's going retrograde, so that's uh, already going to be funky, funky in regards to money. So fingers crossed that it gets better for you, though. Yeah, and Jupiter's retrograde in my birth chart, so I'm sure there will be lots of fun there. Ah, okay. um, with regard to my work on my blog on RuthDocMurphy.com, um, we finally wrapped up the uh, grant project that I was doing. We're applying for another one. And my last interview I got to do with Isaac Bodowitz's less famous brother, Michael, um, if anyone knows um, the writer and the occultist Isaac Bonowitz, who is really well known for a lot of the writing on, on magic, real magic, and on uh, um, neo-pagan druidry, um, he passed away a few years ago, but his brother Michael, who we know as Doc, is still in the area, and I got to sit down and uh, interview him, get an oral history from him about uh, his early days in the 70s in the pagan community here, and it was just really an honor, and it was very exciting. So there's a couple of entries about him. Uh, in my blog this week on DocMovie.com. So that's kind of what's a lot of irons in the fire with regard to stuff that I've been doing. So that's what's what's going on in uh, the world of Doc Murphy here. So lots of of changes, some some good and cool, like the stuff that you're developing in your blog, some less so. I mean, 2021 is bound to be a funky year. Anyways, because we're just coming out of this pandemic and we're kind of sea legs a little bit, right? Trying to figure out what's going on. But I do, you know, I do wish you well. And hopefully the astrological weather will improve a little bit. Um, and, and we'll see some improvement in regards to finances and jobs. There's nothing worse than the experience of, of being laid off, right? Just, especially if you, if you yeah. really enjoyed a job or whatnot. So I'm with you. Sympathies, candles, lights, and prayers Headed your way, my friend. Headed your way. Thank you. Thank you, Ali. I appreciate it. I really appreciate it. Bring on our guest, uh, Miss Miranda Tarot. For those of you who recognize her, she's been on the show before, but she's also a regular in our chat. So she's one of us, and she's joining us today. Welcome, Miss Miranda. So glad to have you. What's been new in Hey, Miranda. <laughs> Hi. Um, what's new? What's going on with me? Um, I would say, oh, this is, I, I might, I have to be a little careful. I'm always worried I'm going to jinx myself. Um, but <laughs> I've recently, oh, my God, I think, I think that everyone's going to laugh at this really hard, especially if you know me and who I am. But I'm giving a, a dude some monogamy. I'm doing, like, a one-month trial of monogamy. And uh, mm. I want to see if it works. And it is new for me, everybody. It is new for me to, like, settle down. I'm really, like, I'm really shaking my foot right now with anxiety over this. But anyways, yes, the person I am, I'm very, very free and, and, and love life. And I do a lot of readings on love, um, sex and jobs. And uh, this is one of those places where I'm like, Oh my God, am I going to commit to someone? Oh my gosh. I'm giving it a one month trial. We're going to see how that is. That is the newest thing in my, uh, we agreed on June 17th. So we're going to revisit it on July 17th. And I feel like it's, corresponding with a moon somewhere. I don't know which cycle of the moon yet, but I, I felt like it, it's there. Anyway, I feel like people are going to well, be I do, at that. I love that you actually, 
I love that you've actually set a date. And that's so, I love that. Like, that is such a great, like, here's the date we start. Here's the date we're going to actually revisit that. But I'm telling you, there's something <laughs> about this summer. People are experimenting. Mm-hmm. They're trying new things. They're ready for love. I think it's the mix of the COVID, the end of COVID, the astrological weather, and just it's summer. And so, like, this is right up mm-hmm. what we've been talking about. Like things are doing, people are doing new things and trying new things. You're trying out monogamy. That's a whole new thing, right? It's like that's that's fascinating. But I've got to say the deadline thing or the the revisiting date. That's that's just perfect. That's a cherry on top. I love the idea. Like, <laughs> I'm trying this out for the month. Let's let's regroup on the 17th. That is fantastic. But the, you know, the, as as good as it was, really a good example of like. Communication, y'all. Nine tenths of relationship is just communication. You set that expectation clearly. Look, we're going to try this out for a month. We're going to plan for it working out. Maybe not. We'll see. But we're going to talk again on this date. That's like you've just given a short master class on communication and relationship. <laughs> well, and I have, to, a... I have to give that to... <laughs> no, sorry. Go ahead, Ollie. No, no, please, please. Oh, I I have to laugh about, and I have to thank my stars for this. I'm a Scorpio, so already people mm-hmm. have some judgment on that, and that's fine. Leave the judgment to Jesus, or judge me all you want. It's fine. <laughs> but um, my partner is a Virgo, and he is a planner. So this has been a oh, uh, yeah. a moment. This has been a lot of communication, and we tried we tried to see if we could date and do other things with other people. And in the end, we're both like, mm-mm, let's just make a plan. Let's stick to it. We will revisit it July 17th. So, um, oh, I love and, that. I love and, that. Oh, it's so silly, but I feel like these are the times we live in. And I keep saying to him, because he and I both have been single for a while, but I'm like, this is the summer of, uh, I don't want to say love. I'm just going to say the summer of lust or something, because people are losing right. their minds out there. I can't believe how many people are in dating apps. I can't believe what people are saying and doing out there. And uh, I've been jokingly calling the Rumpspringa, and if you know what a Rumpspringa is, uh, maybe this is very Midwestern of me, but in the Amish community, there is a, in some Amish communities, not all, and Mennonite communities as well, there, when, a, when a kid of the community um, comes of age and it's prior to their baptism because they choose mm-hmm. to baptize, um, they get to have a year or a certain period of time in which they get to wild out and enjoy themselves and see all of the things that are available to the common person. Um, and some people go through their wildness and then they still want to go home and, you know, get baptized and continue their the lifestyle, the culture. Others mm-hmm. don't. But it's a test of faith, really. And um, really? I don't know if this is a test of faith in humanity. <laughs> but I do think that this summer, this summer is going to be wild. And I feel like I need to tell everybody, like, yes, we have a COVID vaccine, but also we have HPV vaccines that's available for people up to age 45. So please get them. Please, please use condoms. Please yes. be aware of all these things. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Just yes. because we're, the, yes, you know, people are planning to be wild over the summer doesn't mean you shouldn't be safe, you shouldn't take precautions, and be, be mindful of that. There, I do suspect, and, and you're hitting us that I do suspect we're going to have a weird baby boom um, that will pop up, I think, mm-hmm. uh, like in nine months mm-hmm. from now or so. We really are definitely going to see. I think it's just there's something in the air. Again, people are, are, are excited that there's a vaccine, excited that things are opening up. But it's also like just astrologically, right? This is a moment of real kind of experimentation. I think we'll call it the summer of experimenting or the summer of lots 
Ooh. Summer of Love. Good call. Like, good call. We're definitely, yeah, there's definitely <laughs> some stuff going on there. So this, this is us being uh, kind of sociologists, but also being a spirit workers. We're kind of noticing all these trends and these <laughs> things coming together. We're oh, going to revisit this for sure over the next few months. We'll, let's absolutely the three of us to chat again. In a few months, and see how things oh, I, depend I, I out over there. Their I am there. <laughs> well, and if you're, it's, uh, I mean, I feel like we'll do a I feel like after bring this, like <laughs> after living in San Francisco for nine or so years, like um, they have a late summer that really kind of finishes up in November, and that is the kickoff yeah. to cuffing season. So, like, I – and cuffing means the person you lock down for the rest of the, you know, the winter, essentially. Um, and so right. I feel like, yes, we should regroup in October, November. Maybe we align this with some astrological elements and find out what's oh, happened yeah. <laughs> and how, and how yeah. many people we're, are expecting. <laughs> yeah, we're going to do a, a follow-up where we, where we check in, check in uh, around that time and see what is going on. So let's, uh, let's That'll be awesome. Into our topic. I love it. Uh, let's dive into our, our topic here because we have a really fantastic, fantastic topic. For those of you that are new on the show, we have a guest come on every week and they present a topic. We have a long-form uh, panel discussion between the three of us about a particular aspect of root work, of magic, of divination, etc. And then we take clients at the end, usually one client. For those that have signed up on the forum, you have to sign up first in order to get a reading. Make sure to call in, press 1 to raise your hand, and we'll get to you after our topic. Now, Ms. Miranda has presented us a very interesting topic and one that I think um, people are going to gravitate to a lot, and that is spell work or magic with the tarot. This is something that we, I get a lot of questions about from clients because there's a genuine interest in tarot. And some people treat the tarot in just a reading format. And it's something that you do to ask questions about. But other people have developed a genuine practice around using the tarot in the magical work. Whether that means the tarot guides the work that they do, oh, I've seen a lot of wand cards here, that means I should be doing fire magic or whether the imagery inspires the particular spell work that they're going to do, or actually incorporating the cards themselves in the rituals that they do. Now, some people have two sets of tarot decks, one deck that they can actually manipulate and play around with. This is a deck that maybe gets some wax on it, deck that might even get cut or, you know, kind of, uh, you know, borders cut out and whatnot, and one that they will use for readings. Uh, Miss, I should mention here that Madame Nadia is quite famous for this type of work in particular, mm-hmm. as well doing some type of cartomancy involved with magic. So this is a fascinating topic. It's also not something that was just invented yesterday. There's an old, old tradition of using your divination tools in magic. The idea that divination and and, and magic are separate from one another is really kind of a real modern understanding of spirituality. We know that people use their scrying bowls and crystal balls in magical work, stretching all the way back to the medieval era. We have evidence of bones that are used in divination, but also used in healing a variety of different ways in which divination and magic have intersected with each other. So with that, I'm going to turn this over to Ms. Miranda, who's going to start us off opening up this conversation about tarot and magic. All right. Um, I definitely have to give a big, 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 big um, prop to Madam Pamita 
um, just because her book, which, yes, oh, my God, absolutely. I'm grabbing it right now, it, uh, this is one of the first books. She's got a number of books out, but Madame Pamita's Magical Tarot, um, Using the Cards to Make Your Dreams Come yes. True, is an excellent guidebook. Um, besides the idea of, like, using these for tarot spell packets and things like that that she's talked through, um, she has a really great synopsis of what each card means and what it means along your journey. And then the other uh, book that I would recommend to everybody, if you're really interested in understanding symbolism, I think we've mentioned it here on the show before, but 78 Degrees of Wisdom by Rachel Pollack is an exceptional uh, yes. book that goes through a lot of the symbolism of each card. It's not a quick read by any means, but if you are one of those people who like to pull a, a tarot card per day, this is a great book to have mm -hmm. on hand or Madame Pamita's to just learn a little bit more about the cards um, on a daily mm -hmm. basis. Cause I do, I, I mean, I definitely went through this a lot when I was in high school and into college doing a daily card and I created my, my own understanding of my decks. And I think that's really important that everyone else has that kind of language, I guess is the best way of putting it. Mm -hmm. But going back to the topic of tarot spells, this is just a little bit more about um, using the imagery of the tarot, using um, the, not just the imagery, but seeing yourself in those cards, seeing your, right. your magical work, your spell work, utilizing the elements in the cards. I will say that the things that I'm going to be referencing today, along with um, Doc Murphy or anybody else, will most likely be referencing the Rider Waite Smith deck, which is the most popular deck um, in production. But there's so many decks out there that have other visuals. And the point is that this is a visual guide to um, not just divination, but to storytelling and to spell work. Um, when you think about the tarot, it's truly a story that has a start and an end, and it just depends on how you show yeah. the cards and who they run into, right? Um, that's how it started. Mm -hmm. But when we look at the Rider-Waite-Smith deck, it is the most visual of the decks at that point in time, like around the 1900s. It's the first one to really come out with pictures, even for the minor cards. Um, previous to that, it's always been a little bit more um, major cards have a lot of art, and then the minors always usually just have, like, the number of the suit. Like, there would actually be six cups on the six of cups, versus when we look at six of cups now, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it is, you know, a, a, small, a small girl and a small boy with white flowers and cups passing back and forth in a town square. Like, there's all these visuals that kind of go into it. So now that I've prefaced that, um, I'll also say that in the Rider-Waite-Smith deck, it is a very Anglo, Western European visual deck. So mm -hmm. if you don't see yourself in this deck, there's a lot of decks out there that have Rider-Waite-Smith directed art, but actually have people of color. They have people that are non-binary. There is a lot of different visual references. And again, just use any of those cards to help lead your path, to help bring together a picture. I also think this is really great for people who may not see themselves as creative, um, but mm -hmm. actually need kind of like a framework or a guide work of how to show up. And so using these cards as symbolism of like how to set your altar, maybe the things to use in a spell, or even how to meditate and pray, these cards can really give you a lot of visuals. Um, so that's me like going off the rails here with a little bit of oversimplification. But I will also say that um, majors versus minors are a really big thing. Um, when it comes to majors, majors to me are always milestones. They're always mm -hmm. big things in your life. And that also means that upheaval can happen. So yes, you might get, you might get a wonderful call, uh, card like the, like the sun, 
but the sun also illuminates all the dark shadows. It illuminates all the things within the dark corners that maybe we don't want to see. So when you're using mm-hmm. cards, like tarot cards for your spell work, I think it's really important to think about using the minors. Like sticking only to the majors means big change. And not yeah. everyone's ready for big change. Maybe you just want a promotion at work. And, I, and Doc Murphy and I were talking about this earlier. But she was like, use the three of pentacles. That's the best one to, like, really think about your leveling up. Versus, like, if you mm-hmm. want a brand new job, use the chariot. But that also means you might be moving for your job. You have to think about all yep. the repercussions, the consequences of using majors versus minors in your spell work. Um, oh, and then also, the last, I'll, I'll, oh, go. Okay. Get in there. Get I was just going to say, I'll, I'll punch <laughs> in here because, like I said, Miranda and I, um, for those who don't know, Miranda and I both live in the Twin Cities, and we were just on the phone this morning talking about this. And I'll back up on that, too, that don't dismiss those minor cards. I, I, you know, a lot of folks who their tarot uh, vocabulary or their decks are like, they just read the majors or they just use the majors. And I always think of right. my, my grandpa had a saying, any euphemism for somebody that wasn't real bright, he would say, yeah, he's not playing with a full deck. And... Uh, <laughs> There's something about, you know, most people, <laughs> most people, um, if they have a situation, there's usually an explication of the situation in the minor cards in a way that's grounded yeah. more to earth. Like, it's, it's like Miranda said, the, the, the Trump cards are about upheaval and big change. And if you're not looking for a lot of drama, um, just some advice on where to go. It might be better to, to uh, get really familiar with the pips, with the, with the minor cards, and not lean so much on the majors because the majors are for big, big questions. Um, they're right. they're layered and they're complex and they're sexy. But um, the minor cards, like you said, if it's for you know um, an issue that is important but not an upheaval, you know, really mm-hmm. get to know those those uh, minor cards as well. So go ahead and continue, Marie. Yeah. I just wanted to back you up there. Oh, no problem. Um, I I think the last thing I'm going to say before we get into more details, and I'm sure um, Ollie has things to add in here too. It's just recognizing that, again, the tarot is a, like, just like all art, if we're being really serious, um, art Mm -hmm. is a reflection of society. It's a reflection of our lives. So recognizing when you're living in a tarot card, I think, is awesome. I've had many moments when I'm in an Uber or a Lyft going somewhere, and I recognize that (laughs) the man I'm talking to who's driving me has got a story that I need to know. And that's, like, me talking to the Hierophant, or maybe that's me talking to the Fool, or maybe it's me, like, being, you know, surrounded like or even the emperor sometimes like there's a lesson to be learned everywhere and i think that that is um it's it's awesome i love the idea of like being in a place recognizing like oh wait a minute i'm the fool here surprise and there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with being the fool mm-hmm. the fool just means you, you i love being the fool that's one of my favorite parts too like it's the idea of leaving behind society's ideals for you like leaving like mm-hmm. leaving behind these preconceptions that we have that we have to be a certain way so recognizing, like, oh, I'm going to try something else. I'm going to do something different. Or maybe you're channeling the high priestess, which is she knows, mm-hmm. but she doesn't tell. So maybe it's about you, mm. like, sitting and observing and recognizing that everything that's going around you doesn't truly affect you unless they come into your temple, that you allow them into your temple, right? So I think that there's a lot of day-to-day inspiration that we can get from the tarot deck, um, as well as, like, spell work when we have major moments in our lives that we need to channel and focus on. But I have, mm. I have more to say, but I'd love to hear what you guys have to say about it and what, how the imagery of, works with you guys. I think you, you, you really beautifully put it as there's a story that's being told in the tarot. And I think sometimes people forget that. 
Um, I tell students when they start out with the tarot to actually not pull random, but actually put the tarot kind of in order and then lay it all out to look at the story of the tarot itself. And that's such a beautiful way Mm -hmm. of understanding the tarot, but it's also a really important way of understanding magical work. When we do magic, what we're doing is we're writing a little story in the ritual that we do. We pick a certain herb, and that says something. It has a particular quality to do it. It plays a particular role in the play that we are creating through our magical work. That's a really crucial way of understanding magic. This is why sometimes people, like, well, I put this and this. You're not, it's not a cookbook. You're not just throwing things together. You are telling a story to the universe in a microcosm and reflecting that back out onto the world itself. And this is how the tarot and magic can work hand in hand with one another. When you start to understand that narrative element, when you start to understand the power of storytelling through ritual, that's when you're able to connect tarot and magic together, tarot and spell work together. It can inspire the work that you do. I think you brought up such an important point about seeing yourself in the tarot deck that you use. That's so important. Tarot is a deeply deeply personal form of divination. And I would say more so than other forms of divination. You don't need to see yourself in geomancy. You don't. Geomancy is a very blunt, binary system. It gives you yeses and noes. You are not all going, you're not going to be the Albus figure, you're not going to be the Carcer figure because they're generally not associated with people or even events. They're, they're different. Similarly with astrology, right? It's, it's, you can say maybe that you're Venusian or you're Jup- Jovian or whatnot, but in general, you're not one planet. But you do resonate with the tarot. There may be a particular card that really speaks to you that is who you are. Um, there is a tradition of when you do tarot readings of picking a querent card, of picking a card that represents the individual or the question that you're asking. And that's in a, the way of kind of interjecting yourself in the, the tarot. The more you're able to do this, the more you're able to connect the tarot to you and your life, the stronger your resonance is with the tarot. So this is a little bit different than other forms of, of divination, but it also makes it a deeply personal connection. So for me, the tarot represents very specific people. I know who I am in the tarot deck. I know where, who other people are in the tarot deck, and the, my friends, my colleagues, etc. Those of you who have heard me on the radio show, you'll know that when the Queen of Pentacles shows up, that's Miss Cat, right? Like for me, that right. is Miss right. Cat. That represents her. It's a woman who built her business from the ground up, who's a, connected to nature, who's connected to herbs, who is successful financially, but also successful spiritually. It, it's her, right? For other people, the high priestess might be someone that they resonate with. Look at the, and minor are very important here, don't just jump to the major, look to the minor. Are you, are you the king of swords? Are you the queen of swords? Are you the knight of wands, right? Do these figures represent you? Do they represent the people in your life? The more you're able to create that connection, the more you're able to kind of do spell work-wise because you're starting to think in, for, in spiritual narrative terms. And that has a way of impacting your magical work. What do you think, uh, Dr. Murphy? I am absolutely 100% in agreement. I'm looking over my notes and going, well, Conjurman Ali took my speech again, but that's perfectly okay. <laughs> the only thing I would add is, yeah, you know how it is when great minds think alike, right? Um, the only thing I would add is I would say each individual card in and of itself is a story. And, and you will find the story of whatever your situation is mm-hmm. 
in yeah. even even an individual card. You know, um, we've been referencing the Three of Pentacles, for, uh, for example, a lot in this because that's that's the uh, card of um, um, if, if, if if no one has seen the image. Uh, it's a stonemason who has finished doing his work. He's carved three pentacles at the mm-hmm. top of the church, and he looks down, and he's being awarded his mastership. He's no longer a journeyman apprentice mm-hmm. anymore, so that's a promotion, or that's an honor. Um, that's a story in and of itself right there of someone who has worked hard, who has um, mastered their craft, and is getting promoted or rewarded for their work. So really there is an opportunity with any situation to even look at what card and see that story. And, you know, as, as spell work is a narrative and ritual is a story with a kind of a beginning, middle, and end, um, so is the tarot. Um, that mm-hmm. said, I get really excited about the praxis of magic. As you all know, I'm a doing yeah. things kind yeah. of person. And so I have a list of ways you can use tarot imagery and tarot decks actually as um, objects and as, and as um, bits in your spell. So um, I used to work at the iHorus at a cult store in the, in the Twin Cities and they had for sale not only the, the large, beautiful reading decks, but you could get the little miniature decks and the playing card size ones and the eedy beedy ones um, mm-hmm. for fairly cheap. You can actually pick those up, and you can use those in spells. And so, like I said, I have my reading decks, but I also have my spell work decks. And those are the ones that get slobbered on, written on, torn up, <laughs> right. buried in the ground. That's the, you know, And then I go back to the store and go, I need another Rider weight deck. And you're like, what have you been up to now, Murphy? And I'm like, well, you know, doing some spell work. Do we want to know? No, you don't. Okay. So um, I just kind of have some like little little tips that I've used um, um, over time that, that to utilize the, the actual tarot cards as magical objects. Um, things like, you know, when you're doing a candle spell or you're doing a spell on your altar, lay them down or prop them up. Uh, the image, that storytelling image that you uh, want. You want a promotion. Prop up that three of pentacles. Mm-hmm. Um, you you want to walk away from a bad situation. You know, there's the there's the uh, eight of cups and he's walking away toward the moon. Um, or I, what I like to also do is um, use them like petition papers. If you, if you don't actually have cards mm-hmm. on hand, mm-hmm. cards on hand, you can always print them off uh, on the computer, or you can make photocopies of them. I've used photocopied images of, of yeah. tarot cards frequently, and, and I use them as like petition papers where you actually can write your intention or the psalm or the prayer or alter mm-hmm. the image a little bit and use it as a petition paper. Um, there's, there's one that uh, works really well that I think uh, is really handy is that if you're trying to attract your perfect mate, Pick out a, a royal card that symbolizes you. Pick out a royal card, you know, one of the kings or the queens or pages, whoever you identify with, that is your target. Put a petition paper mm-hmm. and sandwich it in the middle and then put a lodestone on either side, and then you can kind of push that attraction between the two mm-hmm. of you and make that go stronger using the cards as, as um, proxies for something like figure candles or, or um, lodestones. Um, shrink down the image of a tarot card and put it in a mojo bag. Um, oh, yeah. I've done the thing where you dress the card for a particular intention and then put the card in your shoe. Got a court case? Put justice in your shoe. Um, you need mm-hmm. protection? Put the eight of wands in your shoe. Um, there are lots of folks in the Etsy craft world that get those teeny, teeny, tiny tarot images and make jewelry out of them. Amulets. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a high priestess amulet necklace that's a real favorite of mine that's made with a very, very itty bitty, teeny, tiny high priestess card. Um, they make great, great vigil candle labels. If all you can get on hand at the grocery store is the white vigil candles, yeah. you can print yeah. off a tarot card image and affix them to the candle label. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I've, you know, all sorts of things like that. And 
And uh, yeah. uh, kind of a, a ritual that I shared that's a personal one to me that I shared with Miranda earlier today was I actually, like a lot of tarot readers, I have a collection. Uh, hands up in the chat. Who has a collection of different kinds of tarot decks? I think we all do it if you love the art. <laughs> and, you know, I, I pick a, a card of the month at the beginning of the year. Um, so, so when I, um, January, February, March is a different uh, uh, card. And so my card of the month, this month happens to be the Two of Wands. I'll have to think about that a little bit. But I have the card of uh, the Two of Wands of each of the decks that I collect, and they're all fixed to my fridge. And I sit there and look at them, and I eat my breakfast in the morning. And that process of that contemplative wall of all these different artistic mm. interpretations of that card actually really opens up um, you know, not only the divinatory art, but also what kind of, what other ways can I envision the magic that I need to do? Um, like, mm-hmm. so we've been looking at the Rider Waite deck, but I've got, oh, gee whiz, we've got the uh, Alistair Crowley's deck up here, the Hoodoo Tarot by Tanya McKillen. We've got uh, an outcome, the one by Salvador Dali is on my fridge. And just seeing mm-hmm. how different artists interpret the imagery can make you go, oh, there's another way to actually craft a spell. And that's that's mm-hmm. a, a seeing all those different interpretations often helps too. So those are just some of the little tips and tricks that um, I've picked up over time. I'd I love to hear others. From, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, um, you hit I, really the, the nail on the head with a lot of these workings. They're fantastic, fantastic examples of the way in which the tarot can either inspire magical workings, uh, they can also be incorporated in a variety of different spell works. I mean, the Lovers is a, is a perfect example of, of candle magic. Um, the go-to mm-hmm. candle magic for love and hoodoo is to... Adam and Eve candles that are face-to-face joined together, maybe perhaps with string and a vigil candle in the background that is watching over it as a continuous light. That is the imagery of the lovers, the continuous light of the archangel as Adam and Eve are being joined together. That's an inspiration you can draw directly from the lovers card. You can even, as you rightly pointed out, actually put it onto that vigil itself as it watches over it. My favorite, as you mentioned it, uh, a similar spell with lodestones, but one of my favorite, absolute all-time favorite love-binding works in order to create fidelity between two people is to take the images of two people, write their names and whatever type of personal concerns that you have, but then you then affix them face-to-face and behind each one you put either the lover's card or the two of cups. You can put two of each, you could put one, either one, whichever you want, and then you use magnets to hold it all together. So the magnets are attracting mm. each other so that they, the Beautiful. images are sandwiched between two tarots and the magnets are held together and then you bury it on your property. And so long as the magnets remain bound together, you can even use string to hold them together. As long as they remain bound mm-hmm. together, that person is bound to you and love will remain in the house. So there's a variety of different ways in which either the tarot can inspire the ritual work or it can be part of the ritual work itself. How about you, Miss Miranda? What are some of the ways that you use the tarot in your spell work? Well, I I think that there's also like a big difference between um, the like I want to say the magnitude of certain cards. So like the lovers versus the two of cups have a different kind of magnitude. So like the lovers, you are in a position to choose maybe between lovers, or you have many loves. There's a lot of you're in a position of power versus the two of cups is who's my soulmate? Who's my every, like, who's going to meet me on a level? Who's like, that's, and that's because it's like those two characters are on even footing with the same cup and they're coming towards each other. 
And the lovers is also two people, you know, with um, an angel overhead looking at this divine union. And that, like, those have different magnitudes. So depending on, like, what you want, go after the lovers or go after two of cups. And everyone has, again, that association with certain cards that's different than maybe me or another reader. Um, another idea mm-hmm. is, like, around ace of ace, – well, if you've heard me here on the show before, I always think of wands as wangs, and that's, that's very dirty and weird <laughs> of me, but here I am. I think <laughs> and Doc Murphy knows me, and she totally met my partner last night, so she's already like, oh, boy. Um, but ace of wands <laughs> – Ace of Wands versus Knight of Wands are totally different energy. If you want Ace Mm -hmm. of Wands, that means I need new bed partners. Knight of Wands Mm -hmm. means I'm looking for someone very specific. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that if you want, um, if you're looking for a good time out, you're going to find certain cards that mean that. Like maybe it's a girls' night with three of cups. That's a time to celebrate, but it's just y'all. It's not. You know, that's not like a party with everybody else. But if you're looking for a good night out with everybody, maybe four of wands is the energy you're trying to to bring in. Um, Or maybe Mm. you're looking to, like, win at everything. Well, that's going to be six of wands to me versus um, the world. The world means the end of something. That usually means the completion of a cycle. That means moving on to a really big thing. Versus do I want a small victory right now? Do I want to just feel good and celebrated? Then I'm going to do, you know, six of wands. So that's kind of where I'm at. Like, you just have to understand that magnitude of those cards and those visuals that are within. The other thing I'll add is kind of like adding on to, like, what Murphy's already been saying, but um, it's just that using – I like the practicality of using tarot imagery, which is I have on my lock screen on my phone, I have the Empress because I want to channel her all day, all night. I want to be pregnant with ideas, like full of creative energy. I want to be – Sitting in abundance, I want to be relaxing on a nice soft throne, not a big, hard, weird stone one. Um, (laughs) I want to be surrounded by greenery and nature, all the physical things that feel rich and wonderful. I love the Empress energy. And maybe later in my life, I'm going to change that to another card, right? I've had the star as one of my main cards on my lock screen for a long time on my phone. Um, And other times I change that out to, like, Again, six of wands, depending on what I need to do. But what I love is, like, having the Empress on my lock screen is something I get to see every day. And it reminds me to, like, Mm -hmm. channel her consciously, subconsciously, whatever. Like, I I see her image. Someone gave me an Empress sticker that's, like, a little different. It's not the same kind of Rider Waite Smith imagery, but it was a sweet sweet gift that someone knew that I liked tarot. And so they were like, oh, here's a sticker. I put that on my water bottle. Every time I drink out of that water bottle... I'm just like, word, look at her. There she is. And it's just like these subtle <laughs> reminders. It's like, a, it's like a mood board. It's like, it's like looking at anything or meditating on something, on an image. Like you're mm-hmm. going to see these things and bring them into your life. The last thing I'll bring up that I loved is uh, someone also gave me a sticker of Ruth Bader Ginsburg as the justice card. <laughs> and I just about died. I was like, this is exactly the justice energy I want in my life. And so that was a great card or a great sticker, I guess, to, like, I gave that to someone who was going through a divorce because I was like, well, the the justice card is the cover of bullshit. She is here to weigh out her options. She needs truth to prevail. There's all these things that are in that person's life that need to be dealt with. I gave that sticker to somebody else because I was like, this is for you. It's not for me, but it's for you. 
And um, mm-hmm. that's kind of how I lived through that kind of imagery. Um, again, it's mm-hmm. like seeing myself in the tarot or seeing my friends in the tarot. I love it. It's, it's excellent. Go ahead. And I'll, I'll add on to it, too, that um, this is a discussion that Miranda and I have had before, but I, when I read tarot, I read reversals, and she does not. And not that mm-hmm. there's anything, there's just different flavors of the same dish, but um, the, the, knowing the meanings also of the cards right side up versus reverse can also aid in your spell work as well. Okay, you have a um, situation where there's an there's a abusive situ- a, a, a relationship going on, you want to break these people up. Well, you know, maybe it's time to take that two of cups in the course of the spell work, work to flip that over so all that emotional upheaval um, ends or maybe flip that lover's card over so that it, it, the relationship sours or, or, or darkens or comes to an end. Um, being able to, like I said, also to, to snip and cut off the cards in the course of, of, a, of a spell work as well. But to be able to know that, you know, one minute, okay, you've got a, a situation that's good and you've got this card, but if it, it changes suddenly or it needs to change suddenly, you, you know, flip that card over and that, that process of flipping the card to its reverse meaning which can mean anything depending on the card from just being blocked or being stuck to coming mm. to an end or being completely, you know, um, prevented from, from occurring. Um, I've also found that kind of taking, taking the card in the course of um, uh, spell work, if it needs such a situation that's, uh, you know, uh, bad, needs to change from, from reversal to straight up or straight up to reversals. Um, this is something that, like I said, for a reversal reader like myself, I find really effective. And it's a, it's a tip out there if folks want to give that a try, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Using the cards in this way to kind of spell out a story or uh, to, to kind of explain a narrative is fantastic. Something that, for example, I taught one of my clients to do for a job-getting spell is to light a, a series of vigil candles. The first one was an Ace of Wands candle. So they took the Ace of Wands, they post, wrote their petition on the Ace of Wands, they affixed it to a vigil candle, and that, then they used that vigil candle for attraction work, to draw for them the ideal job. So they had cinnamon in there and whatnot. And they burned that down and then kept the uh, tarot card that would then be placed in their, under their bed as a sort of a talismanic object. Then they started a next vigil candle with the Three of Pentacles. Three of Pentacles being used for promotion, being used to be elevated. They burned that candle down. Then they took that uh, Three of Pentacles and placed it under their bed. And then they burned a final vigil candle as the world card, which is victory or success, and in particular associated with things like graduation or moving on to the kind of next level, being promoted to whatever it is that you wanted to be. Petition on there burnt that candle. In other words, they use the tarot to spell out a sort of narrative that it starts with the attraction, it starts with the planting of the seeds, then there's growing, there's building, and then there's accomplishment and victory. And you can do this with the tarot. Pick three cards, and rather than pull them as past, present, and future, actively select that this is what's going to happen now, this is what's going to happen next, and this is what will happen afterwards. And you can do that with candle magic. You could do that whether you're making mojo bags or you're doing a moving lodestone spell. Whatever type of magic that you're using, you can use the tarot to spell out the sort of path you want it to take. You can keep it on the altar or you can uh, use it as sort of one after the other in the case of this vigil candle. So use the tarot as a narrative tool. 
What are some other tools uh, or, or methods, uh, Doc Murphy, in regards to the tarot? You listed a good many of them, but let's just give me give me one that you really enjoy doing one tarot spell, and then we'll get one from Miranda, and we'll kind of go back and forth a little bit in our last few minutes. <laughs> Well, yeah, a while back, like, like a while, 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 while back, when I was uh, wrestling back and forth between a, a, a fellow I'd broken up with and an ex-boyfriend come to town and my, and my own urges, let's say, about how to handle with these, these two guys, um, I kind of wanted one of them to step forward with his interest. And so mm-hmm. actually what I did was um, I took the lover's card, which has the big angel on it, and the devil card, which has, you know, the big baphomet on it, and I actually kind of, I have two very small, um, one is sort of a, a, a quartz penis amulet, and the other one is mm-hmm. sort of a metal penis amulet. And I kind of pinned those to the cards and, and uh, lit a candle of, of kind of lust and, and um, a really, really rich incense and kind of did a whole like, okay, boys, one of you is going to step forward because you're going to get something good, and I kind of really, really want this now. And so eventually it was sort of like who's going to – it's like the devil on your shoulder or the angel on your shoulder in the old cartoons, you know. Um, mm-hmm. one, one was sort of the good boyfriend and one was the naughty fellow that I was involved with before, and it was like, all right, all right, one of you is going to, one of you is going to step forward here, one of you is going to win. And eventually that spell did work, and um, Mr. Devil actually won out briefly. Um, so, but being able to kind of, um, again, with, with your spell work deck, not with your reading deck, your spell work deck, if you need to alter it, stitch things to it, glue things to it, um, like I said, I pinned mm-hmm. amulets to it, you can, you can take um, um, markers and that sort of thing, and, and, uh, or, or you can affix the, the photo of your target, your beloved, perhaps for a love spell, um, if you really want to get specific. But that was a, that was a, uh, um, you know, kind of angel on your shoulder, devil on your shoulder. We, we need to make a decision here, gentlemen. You know, basically like, you know, come and get it. Which which buddy is going to come forward first? And that was kind of the work I did. And I will say that it was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Uh, Miss Miranda, what about you? What's your what's a favorite tarot spell that you've got? Um, one of my favorites, I would actually say, is about. Uh, recreating what is in a tarot card. So like the magician has an altar space filled with mm. the elements. Um, and also he has lilies and red roses and um, wands as well as like, you could make that a candle. You could do um, a cup. Maybe you have a chalice of some kind, maybe you're scrying or maybe you're drinking wine. Um, he has got a pentacle that could be money. That could be a plant. Um, there's and the sword is also there, which is again, it is a deciding factor. Those, those are the mm-hmm. things that I think are really great to like bring into your life and actually like live the card, seeing yourself in that mm-hmm. place. And I think Murphy kind of said this too, like, you know, have a card represent somebody, but also you could draw your own tarot card. You can draw mm-hmm. yourself into it or maybe take a photo of yourself in the mirror dressed as the high priestess, or you could mm. see yourself as the driver of the chariot. There's a lot of things to do that like, and not to be too scientific, but upon seeing the imagery of the cards or seeing yourself actually in the cards, your brain connects it as real. There's a lot of um, ways that we identify with symbolism. And once you see yourself in a mm-hmm. place, you will, you will achieve mm-hmm. it. 
Um, this is a really weird example, and I just need to like say this from my my own world. I work in apparel. I'm a designer for clothing, and when I used to like make um, size guides, like uh, like the fit reference guides for jeans with men in it, mm-hmm. if I didn't put the right shoe with that fit of denim, like that fit of jean, guys wouldn't buy it because they see those shoes. Mm-hmm as something they own or don't own. And if they see a guy wearing skinny jeans, like this is very much during the skinny jean phase that just started like, I don't know, 10 years ago. If guys didn't see a shoe that they already owned, they therefore wouldn't buy skinny jeans. So the idea of seeing yourself in imagery is extremely uh, primal in some ways. It It is like, how do you identify? So if you live in the card if you see yourself in the card, you could draw yourself in the card. You could take a photo of yourself living out this mm-hmm. card or you set up your altar space or you even like, there's a lot of like old vintage dishes of hands, put a coin in those hands, ace of pentacles. Like think about all these things that you could live out and mm-hmm. do and you physically tactile put it together. You're going to have a mm-hmm. much better spell work because it allows you to like focus. That's what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. That's a ramble. I apologize. No, no, no. That's that's fantastic. I I should point out that for those that are digitally inclined, you could also digitally alter the tarot. Uh, You could do Photoshopping uh, and Photoshop your images. And I know Miss Kat does this quite a bit. She's got some Photoshop skills, and she'll sit around and she'll actually Photoshop people into the tarot deck themselves. Um, I have no Photoshop skills whatsoever, so I've done a much more uh, crude version of this. But one of my favorite, uh, again, binding spells was to take a picture of a client and the picture of my target, cut out their images, and then uh, glue them onto the tarot and then make photocopies of that and then use the photocopies as petition paper. So one of the things that I did is I used the Knight of Cups for the target and the Empress for the client. I had their faces glued on and then photocopied. You can not do that and just Photoshop. It's 2021. I'm sure everyone has some Photoshop abilities. So you can Photoshop on there. But then I wrote their names, their birth dates, uh, as a petition paper on there. I set an Adam candle for the uh, target, and I set an Eve candle for my client. I put the client in the center and moved the Knight of Cups over seven days closer and closer without moving my client because I wanted my client to have all the power. That's why she's the Empress. She's reclining. She's on the throne. But the Knight of Cups is the supplicant. He must come to her. He must give the offering to her. He's holding that cup faithfully traveling through the desert so that he had achieved that holy grail, moved it over seven days. And on the final day, I bound them together in string and let it all burn down. I took the wax and had it buried at my client's uh, front doorstep. And the two images were then uh, affixed together and hidden under her bed. And let me tell you, when I said he came around, he came around. So this is a way of working it all <laughs> yeah. with a little bit of, and if you have a little bit of digital skills, you don't have to do the crude contraman tactic of, of taping people's faces <laughs> and making photocopies. You can just actually Photoshop someone's face on that Knight of Pentacles and someone's face on that Empress. So this is a way that you can use the tarot, actively use the tarot and spell work, but also do what Miss Miranda has pointed out here, and that is to see yourself in that imagery. There is something I've got to say. When you said take a picture of yourself as a high priestess, I, there were shivers there because there's something immensely powerful 
if a person dresses up as the high priestess and then stares into that mirror and takes a photo of that, there is something that in of itself is the magical act. That in of itself mm-hmm. is the magical mm-hmm. act. Ah, uh, that is such a powerful way of working. I hadn't even considered that. Dress up as the image of the tarot. Look at yourself in the mirror and take an image of that. Take a picture of that. And if you know anything about mirror magic, you can decorate and wash that mirror. You can use all oh, sorts of yes. magical inks on that mirror. I mean, that is yes. such an immensely powerful way of working. You now have your own personal tarot of yourself as the high priestess or as the empress or I whatever mean, how incredible it is. is that? And the mirror. Yeah, it is such a cool, I mean, cool way of working. Oh. Yeah. I, um, my, old, I my, my first Wiccan oh, teacher ahead, back in, I'm sorry, Miranda. Um, my first no, Wiccan no, teacher no. back in uh, in Milwaukee was a uh, body movement therapist, and she was very much about oh, where, you know, she was a Wiccan priestess, and so she was very much about using the body. And we know more and more about people who, like you said, embodying yourself in the tarot. If your spell work and your mm-hmm. magic involves dance or if it involves moving your body, um, taking mm-hmm. those positions of the tarot characters, you know, what happens when you put your hands in the position of the magician? Hey, have you noticed the devil's doing the same thing? Hey, are you noticing something here? You know, to be able to see where the replications and movement occur versus where they vary um, also in a physical way tells the story, in a physical way helps you construct the story of your magic. In addition mm. to it being visual, it also becomes visceral at that point. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's a very beautiful way of, of putting it. This is such an interesting topic, and I really feel like we could keep going and going with it because we've really just scratched the surface. Like the tarot itself, there's such depth to this work. There's such depth to this type of magic. Um, there's a great deal that you can do with it. In the same way that we say that the Bible is really a book of spells, if you're a hoodoo practitioner, the Bible is a book of spells. It, no, it mm-hmm. gives you exactly what you need to do. The tarot is the same way. Absolutely. You've got, you've got mm-hmm. dozens upon dozens of spells with that tarot deck right in front of you, and we've only touched the surface of it. Thank you very <laughs> much, Ms. Miranda, for this fantastic, fantastic topic. Uh, for those of you that are tuning in, don't forget to stay until the end, because Ms. Miranda is going to actually give us a free spell based off of tarot spells. But first, we're going to go to our callers, do some reading, and give some consultations. I'm going to turn this over to the ever-wonderful Evan, who will lead us on to our next segment. Stay tuned. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour with your host, uh, Doc Murphy, <laughs> Counterman, and this week's <laughs> special guest, Miranda, will be right back. Support for this program is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and located online at luckymojo.com. And by the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, AIR, a directory of ethical and authentic conjure practitioners, located online at readersandrootworkers.org. And by Hoodoo Psychics, the first psychic line run entirely by Hoodoo practitioners. Receive a reading with a trusted root worker instantly. Call 1-888-4-HOODOO or visit hoodoopsychics.com. And by the Crystal Silence League, a free online prayer service of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches, located online at crystalsilenceleague.org. Now it's time to go. Now it's time to go to the phone, excuse me, and talk to our client. And our client is calling from New York, area code six three one, and goes by the name uh, Miss Moody. Miss Moody, are you there? Yes. Great. Thank you so yeah. much for giving us a call in. Um, and I do remember you giving us a call uh, not too long ago, so I don't believe 
you've had a reading on this particular issue. But um, Ms. Nodi actually writes, she has a question, and the question is regarding graveyard dirt. She would like to know, um, this is graveyard dirt that she's collected from one of the first slave plantations on Shelter Island in New York. Uh, she is currently a student of the Hoodoo Correspondence Course, and uh, she wants to know what she what, what can she use this type of dirt for. She's also collected grave dirt from an 11-year-old and left offerings for both. Uh, she is new when she comes to this work, but she would like some type of direction. So turning it over to you, Conjurant. Thank you very much, Evan. Uh, thank you, Ms. Moody, for entrusting us with your situation. Um, I'm going to ask a few questions. I will be doing your uh, first reading, followed by uh, Ms. Miranda, and then Doc Murphy is going to come in as uh, Ms. Katz's position and give you some root work advice uh, at the end here. So first, let me just ask you, what sign of the zodiac are you? Gemini. Gemini, okay. Um, and it, that's that's interesting. You've collected multiple graveyard dirts here. Uh, you say you're a student of the course. I'm assuming you mean the Hoodoo Correspondence course. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. And so you're new to Hoodoo. This is all kind of new to you, or is just graveyard dirt new to you? Um, the graveyard dirt is new. Hoodoo, I've been okay. following it since 2017. Okay. Great. Uh, what ethnicity are you, if you don't mind me asking? I heard a slight accent. Uh, it could just be my um, phones. It's um, Indian background. Oh, Indian background. Very cool. Okay. Uh, so there are, there are some, a variety of different traditions when it comes to working with the dead. Uh, there's the South Asian tradition. Hoodoo kind of draws from Native American, Congolese, and European traditions when it comes to graveyard dirt. I've done a reading here uh, just to take a look and see what's going on with this graveyard dirt. I will just state in advance, though, before I even do the, graveyard, or the actual reading, that graveyard dirt from a mass grave is not something that we generally do spiritual work with, at least in the Virginian style of conjure that I've been raised in, um, um, and especially if you don't come from a, uh, a black American background, uh, that experience is a horrific experience. Right? I mean, if, if we think about what a mass grave is, that is the erasure of lives right? Death is already a Greek yeah. silencer. People are forgotten in the, in the fog of time. As time stretches on, people forget more and more. The living who remember us start to forget, and they themselves end up dying before we become part of the sort of amorphous ancestors. This is at the heart of Congolese uh, cosmology, the idea of Kulunga, the, the great ocean of the ancestors. The only problem is that that cosmology is ruptured in the black American experience. The black American experience is the violation of that ancestral line. You don't just go and join the ancestors in this great amorphous sea as a, a sort of collective wisdom. You are quite literally silent. Um, there's this really horrific line um, from Saltwater Slavery by Stephanie Smallwood, for anyone who's interested in the history of, of slavery. She talks about how... Um, Africans, when they first experienced Europeans, they had thought that these were evil ancestors that were uh, kidnapping uh, their, their people. But when those same, quote-unquote, evil ancestors, those same Europeans showed back up with tobacco, with rum, and all these different sort of physical products, they believed that those physical products were the literal remnants of the ancestors, that the ancestors had been cannibalized, not joined with the other ancestors, but cannibalized and reduced to these physical objects, which is why things like sugar, tobacco, and alcohol are used as 
um, as as offerings. It's literally the, the remnants of the ancestors. So just off the just off surface level, we don't collect the dirt of uh, mass graves. You can certainly use it for your homework. It's not used in spell work. There's nobody there, no single person, but a collective of people there. The uh, individual child you can use, and there's a variety of different ways you can work with it, but it's also important to understand that this is a contractual relationship. And this really, 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 really comes through um, in the reading. The very first card that we get is the Knight of Swords. The Knight of Swords is eager and rushes forward and wants to do good, but in their eagerness may end up causing more trouble than the good. The Knight of Swords is restless. And this is what would be the spirits of people in unmarked graves, the spirits of mass graves. They are restless spirits. These are not spirits that we would call upon for root work. The next card is the fool. This is an individual who's got their eyes looked up into the heavens, and they don't see the danger that is right in front of them. You're well-meaning here. You're trying to learn. You're trying to understand, and that's a great thing. But there's a practicality component to this. So it's important for you to learn to walk before you run. If you're going to collect graveyard dirt, collect it from the graveyard dirt of your own family, of people that you have a connection with. If you don't have a family that are buried here, then find the spirits of those that you might resonate with. For example, if you're a teacher, go and find the graveyard dirt of a teacher. If you're a lawyer, go and find the graveyard dirt of a lawyer. That is far more important way of, of building a connection than just sort of collecting graveyard dirt. This is advice that I give all new students to Hoodoo, particularly with graveyard dirt. They kind of go in the oogie-boogie, scary route of like, ooh, I've got the graveyard dirt of a serial killer, and oh, I found the graveyard dirt. No, no, no. Could you do that? Go and find the graveyard dirt of somebody you know. Go and find the graveyard dirt of somebody you resonate with and you connect with. And this is really important, far more important than, than trying to find the most powerful, the most scary, or whatnot. The final card that we have is the Ace of Pentacles. This is what's telling us what you need to do going forward. So my recommendation is no, don't go and work with the spirits of, of the mass grave. Instead, go and give offerings. We call this ghost laying in Virginian conjure. You would pour out cool water. You would give offerings. You would let them know that somebody remembers their trauma. Somebody remembers the horrors that they experienced. Help them to be at rest rather than ask anything of them. That would be far more important for your spiritual development, far more important for your spiritual skills, your ability to connect with spirit, your ability to give back rather than to take and rather than to ask. That is my recommendation based off of these readings. I'm going to turn this over to Ms. Miranda, who will do your next one, and then Dr. Murphy can come in and give you some suggestions about what you can do with these graveyard dirts. Wow. Okay. Ms. Moody, thank you for bringing this question forward, um, especially because of how, I'm not saying it's problematic, but how delicate. It's an extremely delicate question around the dirt that you've picked up. Because also, like, graveyard dirt is, uh, it's one of the most sacred things that we can take as well as, like, give back. We have to give to take those things. Like, we have to, like, leave a... Um, some kind of offering in path. Like we can't just take, 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 right? Um, and so taking graveyard dirt that involves a mass grave or, or any um, extremely potent situation, we have to remember the erasure and the reality of all the things that have happened prior. Um, so I just, I, I, the cards I pulled for this situation around the graveyard dirt are extremely um, relevant 
the first card, I, so I do a three-card spread. Sorry, let me, like, backtrack a little bit. Um, so I will say this. The three-card spread I have is, the first card is, what is the situation? The second card is, what do you need to know? The third card is, what do you got to do? The first card I got with the situation is death. I can't believe this, like, <laughs> this, like, this like came up this like threw itself into the mix um but the death is a card of of uh realization it's an ending it's a transformation so you bringing this question to us gives me immediately the feeling of let's talk about a really tough topic let's transform and transmute this this situation so that many people can learn um the next thing I'll say is the card that you need to know is that it's nine of swords. This is the card that keeps you up at night. You might have collected graveyard dirt, and that graveyard dirt is heavy, heavy spiritually, heavy um, uh, psychically. There's a lot of things, hence why you're here. You're asking us the question. You're, you're like, what can I do with it? And then the last card I have, which is what you have to do, is – Eight of Pentacles. An Eight of Pentacles is a card of the apprentice. It's a card of um, honing your skills, doing things again and again to, like, make sure you know what you're doing. Um, it's showing your wares to others, waiting for feedback, waiting for um, constructive criticism, all the things that, like, make you move forward. What I'm going to say about this is that you bringing this topic to us is a learning moment for everyone here. When you take dirt that is from a mass grave or from a very traumatized, uh, a traumatic death, it is one of those dirt, the gra- graveyard dirt that we shouldn't like. We shouldn't isolate and say it's just graveyard dirt. What we're saying is that this dirt should be used for justice. It should be used for changing opinion and and championing the people that had died unnecessarily. So when I think of those dirts, I think that we need to like. Um, and I, I realize I'm, I'm sounding a little offbeat here, but I think that this is a really great learning moment and that using this kind of dirt is also about retribution. It's about acknowledgement. It is about a time that we can set altar space for the people that need to be here. And I, I don't want to, like, jump on, um, you know, Doc Murphy or if Kondramon always wants to, like, add some parts to this. But I think that this is, like, you brought this to us that we all would know. And thank you for bringing us this question. I'm super excited that um, you brought this to us. And I'm just looking at the chat right now. Evan Lionheart was like, I recommend putting the dirt back. If you don't act on the things that we're talking about here, about retribution and reparations or um, – giving peace to the families that are descendants of those graveyard dirts, like, yes, you need to put it back. You have to. It can be so heavy. And, um, I, but again, I really appreciate you bringing this topic. I think it's fantastic. Um, I say fantastic, but it's not, it's not fantastic. It's meaningful is what I'm trying to say. I'm sorry, guys. I'm like falling over my words. No, not at all. No, no, no. Thank you. Thank you. For that insight, let's um, turn this over to to Doc Murphy yeah. to, um, to give us some root work recommendations on what can be done uh, in regards to the dirt that's already been collected, about whether it's putting it back, what to do with the uh, 11-year-old dirt, and then maybe we'll have some time at the end where we can all jump in and give some real quick uh, collective uh, opinions. 
Yeah, uh, just a quick question about the 11-year-old, Ms. Moody. Is this is this from an 11-year-old individual that's known to you, that's a member of your family, or is, is this uh, just some a spirit who spoke to you in the cemetery? Or how, what's, what's the story with the 11-year-old? Oh, it was uh, for the assignment itself. It is not someone who's related to me. Okay, so was this was this a situation where you visited the cemetery and there was some sort of connection that was made spiritually with this the spirit of this child? Yes. I was walking okay. the cemetery and I had asked, like, you know, if there was a spirit who would like to help me. Okay. I'm glad to hear that. Um, like I said, I, I, the graveyard dirt that I collected for exactly the same course that I am in with you right now, um, I uh, bought from the Pottersfield area of a cemetery here, which usually is where the, the, uh, the poor and the destitute are buried. They're usually sort of a mass grave situation. But there was a tree punching up through um, the uh, grave marker, and I took that as somebody vehemently volunteering to be part of this. So if you, I, I'm, I'm sensing that with the, with the spirit that you made a connection with in the cemetery, the 11-year-old, that you may have an actual willing helper. That will be another issue entirely with regard to root work. With, with regard to the, the, uh, oh, the graveyard dirt of the trauma site, I would have to say I am I'm of a mind if you're able to probably return it with a, with a thank you and an apology. If that's not possible, um, I'll pass on another a technique I learned from one of my root worker mentors here in the Twin Cities um, is to take that uh, to take that 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 dirt of the of the uh, trauma site of the uh, um, burial site the the uh, slave burial site and put it in a bowl and. Light a candle, um, contemplating that you're uh, contemplating the justice, and pray very, very hard that may you all be elevated, and may you all find your descendants. You know, um, basically to say, I'm not, I'm not going to keep you here and ask for your help. I am going to pray for your soul, and pray for your, your, um, your elevation, and I am going to hope that your spirits find your descendants here, and that. Um, they have a way of connecting with the spirits of you. And you will know over the course of praying, um, over the course of a week, maybe it'll take two weeks, mm-hmm. maybe a month, maybe it won't take that long at all, but just to, you'll be able to tell when that graveyard dirt is at peace and then when the spirits have gone and left to find their descendants. Um, if you can't take it back to the cemetery, I would say take it back to the bottom of a tree and let that nurture new growth. With regard to the 11-year-old, if this is someone that you connected with and you volunteered with, um, I would recommend, this is a, a practice that I use, is to make what I call a, a spirit bottle or a guide bottle, where you fill a bottle, a really beautiful one, not only with the graveyard dirt of this, of this uh, lovely helper whose, whose graveyard dirt you purchased, but also put in herbs for um, contacting the spirits and spirit communication, things like um, marshmallow and mullein and and those sorts of things, um, and sense the inside of it with a wonderful incense, um, drop in a petition mm. paper asking them for help, and then, and then seal it shut. And then whenever you do your divinatory work and wherever you do your magical work, um, bring that bottle to sit out with you, and they, that will act as a, a, a sort of a guidance, um, a repository where the spirit or where that ancestral spirit will actually reside. 
Um, so mm. those are those kind of the very basic recommendations I would make. If, if you have a good connection with the 11-year-old, and this is someone who you believe volunteered to help you, that's a, a lovely way to give them a home in your house. I, I think with the trauma site, I'm, I actually laid out some cards to give me some direction on how to do the spell work. And the first card that came up was the judgment card, which is all these spirits coming up out of the cemetery, um, mm-hmm. with Gabriel blowing their horn. This, these are people that want to go home. Um, so right, I would say right. pray over that dirt, and if you're not able to return it, pray for the elevation of those spirits. And when when that dirt is is uh, free, then uh, use it to nurture a tree or some other plant in the garden. So that's fantastic. Um, yeah, I, I I hope that's helpful. Yes, yeah, I think so that's a, you've got you've given some fantastic recommendations there at work. Actually, we have a little bit of time. I want to bring in uh, Evan, who is our announcer, a root worker and reader in his own right, uh, very skilled, and see if he has anything further to add about the situation or any advice that he can give. Well, um, yeah, sorry, I'm not talking. <laughs> um, I, you know, just looking at the situation and just listening to um, all the advice that was given, you know, being that you're a Gemini, and I think it was interesting that you hit on the fact that she collected multiple dirts. Um, yeah. That, that's something that kind of rings bells in me because it's making me think, like, um, I understand this is for homework, but um, I, I would say look at the state of your mental scape when you do these types of work because entering the cemetery is entering. You are entering a realm outside of time. Like there is a reason why it's so silent in a, in a cemetery. And that, that calmness kind of gives you a, a, a clarity to um, sort of avoid some of these, uh, some of the things that have happened here. But it's, um, I, I, the only thing I'd really recommend for you is just maybe do some clarity work before you go and, and do any more graveyard work. Mm. Because the fact that you collected two types of dirt when the assignment's really for one and then, you ran into a situation where you're now having to essentially really put one set of dirt back because that's, that's the collective dirt of like um, a, a traumatized group of people. Um, I, I would yeah. not even do anything with that dirt. I would return it and give them offerings, uh, as Conjurement has said yes. in the chat, because that's, those spirits don't want to um, – it's kind of like waking someone up to a nightmare. Like imagine waking those spirits up to the reality that uh, 400 years later not much has changed. That's a little bit disturbing yeah. for them beyond anything. So um, oh, that's, that's all I can really say on that. <laughs> yeah, immensely, immensely well put. Um, fantastic. Mm-hmm. I knew Evan had the right, oh, the right words there. Um, but, yes, clarity work in particular I think is really, really crucial here. That Knight of Swords uh, I think is, is a little bit telling in regards to that. We do thank you for entrusting us with your situation. Uh, do a little bit of cleansing work. Do a little bit of clarity work. Put back the uh, mass grave dirt give some offerings, and take it slow, little by little. We're all growing when we're all learning together. Thank you. Uh, We are going to take a quick break for some uh, announcements. Then Evan is going to come in and guide us on to our free spell portion of it. So turning it over to the techno wizard of the announcements. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ollie, Sundays, 3 to 4.30. The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays, 5 to 6. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix LeFay, Fridays, 1 to 2. And Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays, 7 to 8. 
all time specific, Add 3 Hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. And now it's time to go to our free spell segment with Miranda of Miranda Tarot from Minneapolis. Take it away, Miranda. Thank you, Evan. All right. So in the theme of using tarot as a maybe a guide or a visual guide to spell work, I have uh, put together a spell that I might have accidentally lived, lived into <laughs> or experienced. So it's called <laughs> Healing with a Star. Um, the star card is one of our, I would say our, but many people's favorite card. It is a very vulnerable, loving, and healing card. There's the energy of it that is um, that is unmatched in the tarot. There is no one else that is naked like this other than the world or um, the sun. Um, but I would say that, like, in the star, it is a very uh, quiet moment in which someone is healing and having introspection, and I think it's one of those great cards that also reminds us of our star power, who we are as people, and um, I feel like a lot of people can channel this at many points in their lives. So healing with the star. During a waning moon cycle, which, uh, well, yeah, I was like, I was like wait, what's, what's our, our time? But I'll say this. During a waning moon cycle, take three baths, utilizing 13 herb bath blends, plus bath salt. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about those bath salt mixtures or um, suggestions in a minute here. The final bath should be done on the new moon or the first time you see the crescent in the sky and hopefully on a visibly starry night. Day one, 13 herb bath plus uncrossing, or um, it could be a jinx-breaking, unblocking spell or um, I like using cut and clear personally. Use the cut and clear as you're doing that bath. You're going through the things that you are unloading. You are unloading all of your frustrations, your, the mm. things that have slowed you down. Um, or maybe it could even be people. that You're like, I'm done here. Let's, like, let's not cross paths again. You go through this bath process. Go through that, that mental um, exercise. Collect your small jar of bath water. Collect it and label it. On day two, take another 13 herb bath um, plus the healing bath salt. The healing bath salt is about, like, putting yourself back together, feeling good, feeling whole, feeling literally healed. Again, collect one small bath jar um, and then label it. On day three, you take the 13 herb bath plus attraction bath salt. You can change this out to be anything that you want to bring back in, I personally like attraction because sometimes I don't always know what I want yet, but I know that I want to bring in a lot of love, a lot of money, a lot of luck. Like those are the things that you have to think about a little bit, but I like attraction bath salts. Also, the smell is amazing. Um, you're going to, again, collect it one is. small bath. Uh, bath <laughs> What's that? I, I was Go just ahead. testifying oh, that it does smell, it smells fantastic. <laughs> I feel like Lucky Mojo's attraction oil and all of their bath salts and everything, when it comes to attraction, oh, Lord. Okay, I'm going to get back to this. Let me finish the spell, and then I, I have to, like, give a testimony for attraction. Um, but, again, you're going to do the 13 herb bath, attraction bath salts. You're going to collect another small jar of your bath water 
and label it. The day after this new moon, because again, the day three you should be doing at the new moon, sure, you're going to dispose of your three jars of water in order in a large body of water. I would personally choose a running river because you want it to flow. You want things to move. You want things to go. Sometimes not every lake is connected to a body of water that is, um, how do I put this? It's not in a chain of lakes. Me and Murphy, me and Doc Murphy live in a place that is filled with chains of lakes with a whole lot of uh, movement. But that is not the norm for a lot of people. But if you want to use an ocean, that would work too. Um, but I personally love a running river for this. So as you release the jars, you do it in order. So day one, you release first, and you thank your ancestors, God, and all those living around you, because you are not an island. You, you thank all those living around you for helping, and helping you identify and unload your burdens and cross conditions. The second bathwater jar that you release, you're going to thank your ancestors, God, and all those living around you for helping you heal, to find peace, and to have time to self-reflect. Because having the time to do those things is a luxury for a lot of people. But you need to, like, recognize that there's people around you and instances and energy that allows you to reflect and to heal. The third, thank your ancestors. God and all those living around you to help you attract and draw your new desires that you've just made room for. Because as you let go, you are asking for something to fill the void. And I love that this idea allows you to throw this into the, not just throw, but like dispose of it into this river, this running river. In the same way it's going to take away the things that you need them to take away, it's also going to bring things to you. Um, so by pouring the water back into the running river or a specific water source, you are giving your own energy, yourself, to help renew and heal others. You are giving back what you took so that you may call upon it again someday. Once you're finished pouring your bath water into the river, turn around and don't look back. Let it carry your burdens. Let it hear your wants for healing, and let it help you, what you need to flow back into your life. This is like a... It's, it's recognizing that there's a lot more beyond you. In the same way that you give, you can take and then also give back. That's beautiful. what I got for the spell. That's really, that's really beautiful. This is fantastic. Just beautiful, beautiful working. And really speaks to the theme of, of today, of not just using the tarot as, 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 you know, in the spell work, but as inspiration. I mean, you're living that star card. You're living that star card. Um, and that's that's quite beautiful. Um, you said that this was inspired by something in your own life, or we, I might have missed that. Um, but you you experienced this yourself, right? Like you. It, it is. I I forgot to mention that part, but I was literally like, you know, I've been a big listener and um, participant in the Lucky Mojo um, chat as well, like like not even just in the forum, but also in this radio show, and. Yeah. Um, it was, I had to dispose of my bath water. I had taken a bath and I needed to dispose of it. And I was mm-hmm. driving from Minnesota to Wisconsin and I recognized the St. Croix river, which is between Minnesota and Wisconsin. And I stopped, I pulled over to go pour my bath water into this river. And I, I, I didn't even realize I was actually pulling over to see like to where to like drop my water. It was much more of like, this is a beautiful sunset, and I really love this place and where I am. And next thing I know, I realize I am the star card. I'm pouring my water back into this river, and I think it's, it was wonderful. 
So thank you guys. Oh, that's, very, that, that's on Lucky Mojo. Thank you guys. <laughs> that is very, very, very cool. Uh, thank you so much for the fantastic free spell. This was such a fun episode. I think the three of us had quite a bit of fun talking about this. Thank you, Doc Murphy, for stepping into Miss Cat's shoes and being an awesome co-host. Thank you, Miss Miranda. Absolutely. A great topic and a fantastic free spell. And thank you, Evan, who is our silent guide through this entire show kind of impossible to do it without it. He, he steers the ship from behind the scenes, and we got, we got very fortunate that we got him in front of the scenes this time. We got Evan to join us. So uh, with that, I'm going to turn this over to Evan, who's going to give us our outro. Thank you so much, uh, Condra Man. And thank you, Doc Murphy. And thank you, Miranda, uh, Miranda Thoreau on Instagram and Minneapolis for being our guest this week. Join us next week for a special Oracle Hour with John St. Germain of johnstgermain.com, bringing us the topic of lithomancy. The Lucky Mojo Hoodie Root Work Hour was brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California. You can find Miss Cat via the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and Contraman at contramanconsulting.com in Mission Viejo, California. I'm your announcer, Evan Lionheart, joining you from EvanLionheart.com in New Jersey. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour can be heard every week live on Blog Talk Radio at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and the shows are available in archive via LuckyMojo.com forward slash radio show dot HTML. For all of us at Lucky Mojo, I'd like to thank you for being here and invite you to tune in once again next week at the same time when you will hear the familiar strains of the Memphis Jug Band playing the Jug Band Waltz. Thanks, everybody. Goodbye. Thank you very much, Evan. Uh, don't forget that the Hoodoo Heritage Festival workshops will be going on September 11th and 12th of this year. Tickets are now available. Do check them out. We have a fantastic lineup. It's all virtual. It is hosted by our very own Lady Muse, who will be the master or mistress of ceremonies. We have some cool, cool topics like social justice, uh, overcoming hardship, uh, introduction to astrology by our very own Evan, and much, much more. So do check that out. Thank you all for tuning in, and we will see you all next week. Bye-bye. Good night. Good night.